Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, today we're going to start, or continue rather, our conversation about virtues. And the one for today is charity. As you mentioned in our last one about humility, you said that the stem and the dirt of all the other virtues come from humility and charity. So with that being said, I wanted to start off with our second one, being on the second half of that, being charity. And and let's just start with what it is, why it's important, and, and go from there. Well, to say it as simply as possible, it is all important because God is charity. So if we're going to become like God, we need to become like God who is charity. God is love. And it's amazing that God has poured his own love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, as St. Paul says in Romans 5. And so the more that we open ourselves to God's love, the more that we are capable of becoming like him. And that's actually what holiness is. We've, we've talked about this in the past as well. You know, how do we measure this spiritual life? How do we measure our Catholic you know, how that we're getting better as Catholics. How do we measure? The ultimate measure of everything in Christianity is, is love. So uh, we, we can't emphasize that enough, that love is already our union with God. We have the, the same seeds of love. It's the same love in heaven, the same love in eternity that we have now. So love continues. The way that we experience things, you know, St. Paul says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine with our eyes and ears, we can't imagine what heaven will be like. But what we do know is that the same love, now think of the most pure kind of love, not a self-interested love, not a self-serving love, but the kind of love which is ready to pour itself out. As Jesus said, no greater love is there than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so that total self-emptying love, and of course a dead man doesn't get anything back from those he gives his life for. So that kind of total self-emptying, self-disinterested love is the kind of love that we're talking about. That's the love that Jesus exemplifies for us on the cross. When he hangs on the cross, we see a picture of what divine love looks like, willing to give everything for the beloved and with no expectation of anything in return. And we already get glimpses of that kind of love. I think every one of our listeners can think of a moment or two in their lives, at least, I hope, that they've received that kind of love and that they've given that kind of love. Now, for the most part, our love is mixed. We have mixed motives. We kind of do it 90% for the beloved, but we sort of expect something in return. We experience that especially when we get really irate. I can't believe they didn't send me a thank you note. You know, like, well, were you doing it for the thank you note or were you doing it for because you wanted to give to that person or, you know, so we're always purifying our motives. We're always trying to make our love more pure to make it more divine. But the point is that, The same love is the love of eternity, is the love of God. 
later as it will as it is now. And so we're already getting a taste of heaven. When we love and when we receive love, we're getting a taste of heaven. So if if humility is the ground and we need to have good, rich soil so that the roots can go deep, we could say that charity is the height of our uh, of our Christian lives. Our lives are stretching upward in charity, upward all the way to heaven. So we don't want to have glass ceilings on our uh, on our flower pots or whatever. Uh, we don't want to have glass ceilings that hold down our love, that prevent us from loving even radically and without measure. We want love to grow without without end. Uh, love can grow as much as as we can possibly manage. And then we're talking about First of all, love for God. So that's also going to be the most pure kind of love, and he's very good at purifying it. He doesn't play those games of, you know, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And he doesn't let our love be too mercenary that we would only fight for pay. That's what a mercenary does as opposed to a patriot. A patriot fights for the nation, even giving his life for it. A mercenary only fights for pay. When the pay runs out, the fight runs out. So... We don't want to have mercenary love, that we're only Christians because of what we get out of it. We want to have a pure, self-emptying love. We want to be patriots who fight for the Lord because he's worth fighting for, because we love him, and because we want to give everything for him. So, uh, first of all, we're talking about love as love for God. We express that in our worship of him directly, in our praise of him, in our adoration, uh, in following his commands. Jesus says, if you love me, do what I command you. Do what I ask you to do. That's how we respond to the love of God. We, we follow the way that he has taught us. If we say, I love God, but then I just do whatever I want, even though I know it's not good, well, that's not love then. That's some other kind of selfishness and self-justification. But if we really love God, then we do what he wants us to do. And... Some of that's obvious because it's written in the scriptures. Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't covet your neighbor's goods. Keep holy the Sabbath, hallow the, keep holy the Lord's name. Uh, love God above everything else, don't have false idols. So some of it's obvious. But other, other parts of doing God's will or acting out of love for him uh, are a little less obvious. And that requires a little more discernment and, you know, get married, don't get married, take this job, take that job. Um, you know, those kinds of decisions require a little bit more subtlety and sensitivity. But in any event, I want to have the kind of love that makes me say, I want to do whatever you want me to do. I trust you, Lord. I want to give my life for you because I love you. Now, we also live out love for God by living out love for neighbor because God told us to. Jesus said, love one another as I love you, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I love you. And so when we talk about love for God, we're also talking about love for neighbor, for God's sake. He asked us to do it. He asked us to love as he loves. And so part of doing his commands is to love our neighbor. Now, it turns out that it's the same love. My love for God and my love for the neighbor are, are really the same stuff. It's the same comes from the same place in my heart. 
And so if I grow in love for God, I'll grow in love for my neighbor. If I grow in love for my neighbor, I grow in love for God because it's the same love. It's the same organ, you know, as you, you might say. It's the, same, it's the same part of my heart that I'm using in order to love them both. And that's why Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And the second is the same. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's the same love. And so uh, those, those things go hand in hand. And as a virtue, now it's a special kind of virtue called a theological virtue, but it's a, as a virtue, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. The more you love, the more you love. The, more, the easier it gets to love, the more uh, quickly you love, the more broadly you love, the more you use it, the better it gets. The bigger it gets, the, the, the quicker it gets, the uh, more expansive it gets. So we grow in love by loving. And that's uh, how we really engage the Christian life. The more that we can love in a pure and uh, unself-centered way, the, the more that our love grows. And the more that our love grows, the more we become like God, because God is love. And I think that brings us right back to the beginning. It absolutely does. So if you think of the challenge that that proposes... Um, in contrast to society. So we're starting with having to do it charity with the purest of heart and the purest of tensions, not expecting anything in return. While the vast majority of society is built around, or at least economics is built around, you do something for me and I do something for you. I come to work for you. You give me money and health insurance. You know, I want your product. I give you money. You know, that's how essentially a lot of us are brought up, especially here in America, that you want to do fair trades for each other. And the radical challenge that, that Christ is calling us to is to do it, your actions in a form of love that doesn't request anything back. I love your example there about not wanting the card or the acknowledgement back in return. No, the reason that that we did this, you know, we came to your wedding or whatever was because we wanted to be there and, and be happy with you, not so that we could get a thank you card for the gift we gave. And I think that that's a tremendous example that something small that we can take out of proportion. And I think the other part that we've kind of hit upon with our other talks about virtues is exactly what you're talking about. The more that you do it, the better you get at it. And it it's a great example about how your soul is different than your body. Because for the vast majority of us, whether we ever want to acknowledge it or not, physically we're going to hit a peak at somewhere in our life. We're only going to be able to run so fast. We're only going to be able to lift so much, jump so high. Whatever your example could be. And then everywhere else from there is not quite as good as it used to be. But when we're talking about the virtues or really truly exercising your faith, the more you do it, the better off you are. You're basically building up momentum and carrying it forward. And I think that that is a tremendous gift that I think is, is a really strong, powerful message that when you sit down and contemplate that, you know, if you continue to practice giving and going out without an expectation of return, 
not only you're fulfilling your mission that Christ has asked to love each other, but you're also doing it for God. So I, I wanted to actually ask a follow-up question after summarizing what you said there. God has already told us what's lying out before us afterwards based upon the scriptures. You know, that there, there's a heaven and that there's a hell. And being in hell is being in the absence of God and, and heaven is being one with God. So to take the, I guess, the, the fifth grade mindset and ask the question, is there such a way to do something truly for God without thinking of a reward when he's already told us what the inevitable reward will be with being with him. I'm not trying to misconstrue anything, but trying to, to clarify a point. No, it's a, it's a great question. And yes, absolutely. In, in our Catholic tradition, we call imperfect contrition, that contrition that we do out of fear of hell or out of desire for heaven. That's why in our active contrition we say, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you and I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. And then perfect contrition is simply out of love for God. And that's why we continue our active contrition. But most of all, uh, um, <laughs> the uh, fear of the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all, because they offend you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. So, uh, and the, the Catholic teaching is that the sacrament of confession moves us, that the grace is there to move us from imperfect contrition, fear of hell, desire for heaven, to perfect contrition, love for God, pure love for God, because he is all good and deserving of all of our love because of him not because of what we get out of it. So yeah, absolutely. We, it's a starting point. Just as any other, you know, Lord only knows when you get children to uh, do anything good, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure I had this kind of conversation with my mother. You know, I got a, a present from my grandmother for Christmas and my mother says, no, you need to write a thank you card. I said, why? Why do I want to write it? I don't want to write a thank you card. And then my mother, being the prudent woman that she was, if you don't write a thank you card, you may not get another gift. Oh, that got my attention. So now out of you know a self-serving motive, I do a good thing. Okay, well, hopefully I moved beyond that in my life. Now I just don't write thank you cards. <laughs> no, but hopefully I moved beyond that in my life to thank someone because they deserve to be thanked because they're good and deserving of my love and deserving of my thanks. And I do it because it's the right thing to do. And, uh, and ultimately out of love for that person. So, yeah, it's a mixed motives. You know, our, our mixed motives are always a starting point. And probably there, there aren't that many things that we do out of totally pure motives. Uh, we're always kind of in a process of deeper and deeper purification. And even, you know, we may not be aware of what those kind of subtle selfish reasons are. And it could be kind of what you're saying, Joe, that, you know, if I want to go to heaven, if that's my motive. Now, I have to be honest, it doesn't motivate me all that often to think about heaven and hell. I mean, I just, uh, I'm just not worried about not asking that question so much. It's just not so conscious for me. Um, although there are times I really think about, I heard this amazing talk, Father Chad Ripperger, 
gives this talk on on hell, I never had so much fear of hell. Like I really do not want to go there. I it I don't. <laughs> I don't really don't want to go to hell. Uh, and I think about that every once in a while, and it does it does motivate me. Um, so sometimes I need a little shot in the arm, and a little thought of hell can be awfully helpful for that. Yeah, so it's not a bad thing by any means. But ultimately, we want to get to the point that we're just not thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about what I'm going to get out of it. We're not thinking about where I'm going. I'm just really lost in doing good for the beloved because the beloved is worth it. So Certainly. Yeah, and... Um actually makes me think of, of an example and that went through is my niece is young. She's, she's two. So she's at the point where she's pushing every single envelope she can. And, you know, one of the things that I see around me is you know, everyone has different tolerance levels for things, but I've always felt that, you know, it's the adult's job to kind of mold them to make them functional members of, of life. And yes, on the one hand, it's hard and not always happy to be the one being yelled at because you're standing your ground on something that the little kid needs to do and everyone else just doesn't want to hear her scream. So they just give into her. And, you know, so I look at it as that habit needs to be broken. And whether they kick or scream and cause a big fuss, the habit needs to be broken. And... So on the one hand, yes, I'm doing it because it's the, absolutely going to be better for her in the long run. But on the other hand, it's it's something that needs to change and it's not acceptable. So I guess that's kind of getting into a, the the human element of this, of doing well for each other, is fundamentally, how is it possible to truly break out of your own selfish desires as you're putting about that. Cause the more that I've dug in, thought about this, read about this, it seems to be the true challenge of, of it, of charity here is to detach all of your selfish whelms that inherently are very important to you because they're about yourself from yourself. So, I guess I'd like to spend a little bit of time focusing on that because that seems to be the key trick of how to truly build up the momentum and keep it going in all the ways that, that the Lord intends. Well, and, and uh, I think it's, I hope it's not too much of a stretch to say that for you and for me, and hopefully for all of our listeners, um, we've, we've advanced since, when we were two, uh, that we no longer yes. act like two-year-olds and the kind of unbridled selfishness that two-year-olds tend to have, the terrible twos, that they're so self-assertive and they're really determined to get their own way and to have their own preferences. Now, there's also very sweet things, you know, that we experience in, in little children where they have these kind of spontaneous acts of of love and they, you know, just give you their favorite toy and they just want you to, to smile and laugh and clap and, um, you know, there are other, other beautiful things going on there. But anyway, there's that kind of that dimension of two-year-olds that they are horrendous and hopefully we've grown since then. And so then we might say, well, how did I grow 
to be a little bit more free, to be a little less self-centered, uh, and and to be more loving and more generous. Well, a number of ways that I I grew. A lot of a lot of young men grow when they fall in love. It's very helpful when there's when there's a woman in the picture. All of a sudden, a lot of things get cleaned up. You know, they they discover their their razor, they discover their shampoo, they discover their soap, they discover the the iron and how to you know actually press clothes and how to clean them, and they they discover uh, being on time and they just discover all kinds of amazing things when when they fall in love. Now that only lasts for you know about three months or something, but uh, anyway, falling in love is one of the ways that we grow in love. <laughs> uh, by falling in love with a a human being and and we want to be better for that person and so now we start to do all of the things that our mother taught us to do but we disregarded because we decided that she was out of touch or was too inconvenient or something we we start to behave like a grown up we start to behave responsibly and for the sake of that person um so the positive motivation of falling in love and then uh as we start to become more responsible and our commitment for, um, you know, our, our commitment to doing what is right, our commitment to our job, our commitment to another person that we made a promise to, uh, our commitment to people also helps us to die to ourselves and be faithful to that commitment. And so just out of a sense of responsibility, for example, I learned to die to myself. Um, again, other other self-centered motives can work their way in. You know, how do I learn to say no to food? Well, uh, I know plenty of people who are in danger of having a heart attack, and that's when their eating habits changed. So there's a little selfish, uh, you know, self-preservation thing that's going on there. I know, uh, you know, someone who found out that he has really bad knees, and the doctor said, well, you have two choices. You can have knee surgery, which is going to be extremely painful, very expensive, and you'll be in recovery from it for years, and you'll probably have to get it again 10 years from now, or you can change your diet. He thought, well, that's a pretty easy choice. I think I'll change my diet. So um, again, sort of a self-centered motive. But then the thing is, when we do good, we become more attracted to doing good. When we start to eat healthy, we start to feel better when we start to exercise, even though it's a big pain at first. If you haven't worked out in a long time, the first workout is the worst. You're sore the next day. It's just as bad as it gets. But the second workout is better. The third workout is much better. The fourth workout is uh, very reasonable, you know, and, and then we kind of keep making process, a progress like that. And as we grow in virtue, it feels good. Uh, we, we like having that freedom. We you know, feel better about ourselves. A lot of good things happen. So different kinds of motives uh, help us to move forward in making good choices and uh, ultimately growing in love, growing in love for God and growing in love for others to, to do his commandments. And then it sort of gives way to doing it for its own sake. I realize that I'm actually made for love. And so uh, it it feels good. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I, I'm, you know, it's fulfilling to love. It's fulfilling to worship God. It's fulfilling to uh, serve my brothers and sisters. And so we start to realize our own purpose. Uh, 
and destination, our own fulfillment in uh, in doing those things. So anyway, just a, a couple of little ways that we grow by doing it, and sometimes we need some motivation, some positive motivation or some negative motivation. And then as we start to do it, we feel good, and it kind of helps us to keep doing it until we just forget about it, and it just becomes part of who we are. And that's really the ultimate goal there is having it become part of us, part of the everyday experience of our lives. You know, just as you were saying there about working out, your body gets sore because it's not used to working out. So in a sense, that's your physical body revolting against what you just did. Hey, that was a bad idea and now we hurt and now our muscles are sore and we didn't like that. And it's not necessarily because it was bad. It's because your body wasn't used to it. And that's why the second workout is better and the third workout is better and then so on and so forth to the point where the pain doesn't really become a factor anymore. You're just feeling the growth of your muscles and abilities. And the goal of, of this is to get us to the point of where giving of ourselves and giving of that love becomes in that same, this is just normally every day what we do and how to grow that love, as you mentioned. So, Father, I, we have a couple of brief moments left here. If, if there's any items that we missed here about charity that we want to make sure that we address and give everyone a, some final thoughts before we move forward. Well, yeah, just a, a very simple way we can start right now to grow in charity is through prayer. Lord, I love you above all things, and I want to love my brothers and sisters more for your sake. Help me to love as you love. Something very simple like that is a way that we can grow in love starting at this moment. Lord, I love you above all things. I want to love you for your own sake because you're worthy of that. And I want to love my brothers and sisters more. You know, to help me to love them more. Help me to love you more. Just very, very simple ways of of praying. And that's a way that we can start growing in love. And the more you do it, the easier it gets, the better it gets, the more that you want to do it. And then we start to become more divinized. We start to become more like God. The most beautiful, divine people in our lives are the people who love the most, who love most freely, who love most selflessly. And we all know that. Yeah. That, so let's all set out in that direction. That, that That's a universal truth there. And that prayer you just gave us there is, you know, sometimes when we come back for communion, we don't really have our thoughts together. That might be a great habit to, to have that prayer as you return back to your pew after communion. So on that note, we, we thank everyone for listening out here this week. We continue to ask you to keep telling those around you. If you like the cast, please tell someone you know about it we have grown in tremendous ways and we thank you all for doing that and we will begin with you here next week thank you